0: Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good afternoon from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom's here, and then we have Trent, and we have Darren. Darren's holding his hands out like I should have introduced him first. (laughs) Just just because you're the boss doesn't mean you get introduced first. You should get introduced last.
1: I simply say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. I was going to say, do
2: you have this microphone? Okay, good. good,
3: good.
1: I don't need a mic, Tom. You know that.
3: I'm aware. No,
2: I've been to enough county meetings with you to
3: remember that. I'll never forget okay. the time that Darren talked at a meeting after someone who needed the mic turned up and they forgot to turn the mic down <laughs> before Darren <laughs> talked. Never that, good. That will stick with me forever. Never good. It was very loud. He never
2: announces
0: good. that about every
2: time he talks okay. that he doesn't really need a mic. <laughs> That's I true. don't remember that I remember that. The My favorite comment about him is the fact when he called the guy out for having the mullet two years in a row absolute positive favorite things (laughs) ever because he didn't skip a beat and i think trent turned around and looked at me and said did he just say something (laughs) about the guy's hair and we were about ready to fall out because we didn't know what direction so so sidebar
1: comment funny story (laughs) i'm in indianapolis talking for dow at the time and i'm in this the best thing i've ever seen it was a bowling alley slash arcade that had a big stage and stadium whatever and I'm up there talking. There's a guy in the front row with overalls on and the 1980s wraparound sunglasses and a mullet. And you know me. I called him out from the stage. I'm like, you, sir, have the best hair in the building, hands out, hands down. He didn't crack a smile. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, he did not find the humor at all. I kind of felt bad about it afterwards, but whatever.
0: Bowling alley slash arcade. You just glossed right over that
1: like it that wasn't a thing. It was one of the most wonderful things I've ever seen. I I was going to ask, is that common? I've never really seen one. It it was an adult playground.
0: Trent and Darren were over here this morning, and we had a a little meeting for a while, and so we wanted to get them over here. Over here, meaning to the... From the regular building to the
2: caps, Jason centers. continues to make that out like it's an extremely long excursion. But given his current state, it's a little longer for him than it is to for anybody else. It takes him a while to crutch over it here. Takes me a while <laughs> to get here for sure. Anyway, we wanted to get them over here
0: and talk about fall burn down because it's getting to be that time of year. So we were glad to have the opportunity to do that. Trent, it's October. I think I asked Peralisi this one time, but what is your most vivid
3: football memory Mm. besides blowing up your shoulder oh my most vivid football memory or your best worst hey i caught a touchdown one time and and won a game like with 20 seconds left on the clock that's a good memory that'll do yeah that was a good memory it was a terrible throw by the quarterback too i don't think he'll listen to this but
0: uh, (laughs) chances are he won
3: yeah Yeah. caught the pass scored the touchdown that was a good memory it's a good day what did you top out in weight in your college football career?
2: About 200. Did you say college?
3: Yeah, I played yeah. two
0: years of college football. Yeah. Did, did. you really?
2: Mm-hmm. You didn't know he was a bona fide athlete? Well, I, I suspected he was based on your question regarding high school. I had no idea he played college ball. Yeah, he tore that, the
3: old yeah. shoulder up and decided to get an education instead. It's the best that thing that was, ever happened. <laughs> See, you, you
2: think you know yeah. a guy. So Tom, be Tom, like, Tom doesn't know anything. Nah, no, well... I
3: actually had the shoulder I repaired, don't. and they cleared me for two-a-days, like the week before two-a-days were going to start. And I thought to myself, there's no way. <laughs> I have no desire to, to have that shoulder hit. <laughs> so, See, it took football man, I,
1: for you. It took a car accident yeah. in Canada for me to get a shoulder repaired, so I feel uh, you.
3: I moved to Starkville the next week, man, and, and, and changed my major to agriculture, and <laughs> here we are. You know what it's going to take me to get a shoulder repaired? <laughs> four months on those crutches, yeah, yeah. that might do it <laughs> that's, that's right that's a fact
2: <laughs> see that's how you're gonna know how much weight you're putting on your foot it's how much oh, your shoulder hurts
0: man. Well, it's, it hurts <laughs> i guarantee you. people keep asking me about foot hurting my foot's fine man the shoulder everything oh, else hurts
1: yeah my christmas present you may be some of them fuzzy covers for the top of your of your man. crutches
3: now hopefully by christmas some dudes
0: are Somewhere in a dumpster.
3: You're gonna need something four wheel drive by Christmas, or you know, it's gonna <laughs> really mess with the old hunting season. Well, that little scooter he has is not.
0: No, certainly not.
3: Yeah, yeah. All right.
2: Obviously, the reason we're together. Fall burn down. Pros and cons of fall burn down. Should we do it? Should we not do it?
3: Well, that's kind of an open ended question, Tom. I mean, I'll, I'll throw it out there. The, the only thing that comes to my mind on the the hardcore yes, do it category is ryegrass. That's a problem. It's a Ryegrass is a becoming more of a problem all around the whole state. You know, in that kind of situation, I don't know what else you do outside of making this application. But if you don't have ryegrass, it's debatable.
1: I want, I'm going to take off on your comment quickly. So for those that may be listening well outside of our geography, right, since we are a, a global podcast, you know, most of our production system, a lot of it's up on beds, right? So a lot of fall tillage going on, putting stuff up on beds. So, you know, my argument against a fall burn down is we want some kind of vegetation out there to stabilize those beds, because we're spending a lot of money on four dollar a gallon diesel fuel right now putting these beds up. And if we catch a wet winter and they weather down to nothing and you rework beds all spring, again you're you're just not really being very efficient with your economics. So to Trent's point, I agree completely where ryegrass is a problem, very warranted. But if it's not a problem, ask yourself why you're doing it. And think about the potential ramifications. If it's a wet fall, your beds weather down, and you're going to go smooth them up in the spring and plant, you have no bed left. It becomes a compounding problem for one decision. It's, it's kind of always been, yeah, to,
3: to add to the compounding problem thing. You know, obviously, with me with soybeans, but when you lose that bed integrity, and we're all about an early soybean production system, we have a fair number of twin row beans out there. We have got to have the right shaped bed to get the right stand. And if we have to do tillage or, or reshape those beds in the springtime, we're losing money just on yield, yield potential.
0: Well, I say this often, especially describing our production to folks that are not from here. Darren brought up the international folks that may be listening, but our preference is to do all of our field work in the fall. And then when something, the first thing that goes across that field in the spring has got a planter hook to it.
3: Yep. Other
0: Other than an airplane. But the first thing that has a tire on it also has a planter hook to it. And we can't always do that if we've got bare soil all winter long. So the the fall herbicide application has got a long history in the South. Mm-hmm. Most of that, I would assume, was targeted at Johnson grass, and then in more recent years, in my experience, Louisiana and Mississippi have done more of it than anybody else, and and we've it's really become a big part of our production in the past twenty years. In Intensified in more recent years, in the last 10 or 12 years. But we kind of started it for horseweed and a lot of good treatments that we can get good horseweed control. Horseweed's not one of our higher priorities anymore for down. And then the ryegrass came along, and we know that we basically got two options for post-emergence control, and both of them carry a lot of baggage with them, being clethodim and paraquat, and we can get into the baggage that I'm referring to on a different podcast. But so that fall application is just like with a lot of other weeds, the easiest time to control it before it ever comes out of the ground. Trent referenced a ryegrass problem. I think knowing your field history is important. Where has ryegrass been a problem on the farm in the past? And then dial it in those applications to that. The soil texture, we know that on some of our soil textures, the, the coarse textures, we're not going to get away with bare soil. We're going to have to reshape a bit. Yep. We have other soil textures that, you know. Depends on the rain. Depends on the rain. Yeah. Probably could have got away with it this past winter. I think we did. I think in a lot of cases yeah. we did. Get and we've away had with other it. winters mm-hmm. where we where we couldn't get away with it.
1: But Consider why we got away with it last winter, though. Last winter, relatively speaking, was a pretty dry winter. It was. It was. It was. Yeah, that's,
0: that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah. you know, we've seen winters before where we get average fifty five inches a year, and we've got forty in the winter time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was just a different winter. That sure.
2: This past you almost year. could back that up in the last fall. It was a bizarre fall. Yep. To precede that winter, yep. it was a pretty dry fall too.
1: And this one is shaping up to be that's, pretty dry. That's exactly
2: right. You it know? is right now. Yeah. And how should that necessitate options then for fall burn down?
1: Well, I think Jason brings up a great point. I mean, knowing your field history, I mean, it's especially with ryegrass and the seed on that thing, it's a different ball game to me than horseweed. Horseweed, you can do a great job of controlling horseweed and your neighbor not, and you catch some wind blowing seeds and you. And, you inherit a horseweed problem, not of your own doing. Not such a big issue with ryegrass. Yeah, I mean, if you had some ryegrass in the past, it's a pretty good bet if you didn't control it. You're going to have it in the future. So, again, knowing where it's a problem and knowing where you're going to have to do something to control it. And I, the, the caveat I would though, particularly if you're going to corn, you know, where we're going into these corn production systems because they're they're the first thing we're going to do. I mean, that that's to me where it's such, such a critical issue.
0: One part of that's the grass-on-grass grass competition, which is – infinitely worse than broadleaf on grass one thing with corn is with our planting dates and then the growth stage that the rye grass is in at the point where we like to plant corn that dude is like in the absolute exponential phase of its growth you've got that big nasty green clump and it's steady putting on tillers i mean it's growing probably as fast as it grows during its life cycle at the point that we want corn to be coming out of the ground Corn's no match for it. It yep. would just absolutely smoke it.
1: Yeah, I and mean, I think about, trend, uh, to your, you know, to your world and my former world in soybeans and cotton, if you get a later planted bean or even cotton, it's not so much a competition issue with those two, but that just big bunch grass clumpy growth that it has. If you're spending the money that these guys or, or girls are spending on seed and technology today, the thing you don't want is those big clumps out there and you not getting to stand where they are. Because we're spending – $600 a bag on cotton seed, I want every single seed to come up. I don't want them to not come up because there's some big clump where I didn't get good seed to soil contact or whatever. And then, again, that's a problem. If you don't take care of it up front, you deal with it for the rest of the year.
3: I mean, and, and to the compounding problem point, y'all remember that picture? I don't remember if it was Tom Eubank that showed it years and years and years ago of a, a soybean field that had uncontrolled ryegrass and the stand didn't get good, didn't get a good canopy, and then all of a sudden pigweed was a problem. So Yeah. Okay. You know, that that picture stuck with me all these years. I mean, that's just a compounding issue.
0: We've got ryegrass out there. You'd have to go look for it and look pretty close to find it. I promise you, you can go out there in a field right now in October and find ryegrass that's got seed on it from last year. It's just that stiff straw of a plant. And so you spread it with combines, you see streaks in fields, and you know that just came right out of the combine. It warrants aggressive control, and, and if you do have a history of a problem within the field, then in my opinion, this is the best option to control it. The
3: only other thing that it is crossing my mind is the current weather. Like, I mean, I don't feel pressed right now to be running out making an application because we have dry conditions. You know, we're, we're able to take our time getting our field work and stuff done. So is that the wrong attitude?
1: I think the other consideration, too, is product selection, too, this time of year, right? So if you don't know, if you're growing based on what the market's going to give us come spring, you don't necessarily want to go one product or another that may lock you Mm -hmm. into corn or out of soybeans or into rice or out of whatever you just got you got to be really careful unless you've already planned for next year and are going to be locked into that specific rotation on that acre
2: well and jason you said something the other day and i don't even remember where we were but it was just a casual comment someone maybe asked you what the percentage of farmers were that actually did a fall burn down and how that differs
3: between years to that question, I, one, I'll just give you an observation, I guess. I mean, you, we all know how much we travel around in the wintertime doing meetings and stuff. And, man, I'll tell you, the, the clean acres that I saw this past winter, I, I don't recall seeing that that same percentage of, of treated fields. But it was obvious, you know, which fields were treated and which fields were not, which fields were not. So I would say that in recent years, it's it's been a pretty good increase.
1: So I I guess the question in my mind about Trent's comment is about how he saw more ground last year that had a fall apply than he had in years past. I wonder how strongly that correlates to the spread of ryegrass in our state. Because, I mean, it's not just a South Delta problem anymore, right? You see it in North Delta. You see it over in the hills. I mean, it's become a problem in a lot of different spots. I, I suspect the correlation there is probably fairly strong.
0: Two points that I'll make. Tom I think it swings wildly based on the year. I mean you go back to 18 and 19 when the weather was so bad this time of year.
2: I mean we yeah, we, yeah it started or, raining we, like in October and it never stopped. I mean we seemed. couldn't even
0: get to crop out of the field mm-hmm. much less get stuff like this done. And that's not statewide or region wide. We had pockets that we did get stuff done. In the fall but then last year like Trent said really good fall all the way through for doing field work so we got a lot of acres treated and then Darren regarding the rogers, I think you're right because you have a conversation in say April with a guy and he says you, know, you just tell me what I need to do because I'm not going to have this problem again mm-hmm. Next year, and you know, sometimes we remember that conversation by October, and sometimes we don't, and sometimes the weather doesn't. It doesn't matter if we remember that conversation because the weather won't allow us to get well, anything one done. One of those
2: years, years ago, you and I rode around in the truck, probably springtime, and looked for raw grass in places that you were unfamiliar with, which is why I was basically chauffeuring you around the state. And there was ryegrass all over the place in counties that you don't necessarily consider as being large agricultural producing mm. counties. You get down to some of those southern counties in the state and there's not a lot of row crop acres in some of those counties.
1: You know, but for those folks, I don't know that they necessarily view ryegrass as a bad thing. If they're running if they're running cows or some kind of animal agriculture, I don't know that they necessarily view some ryegrass out there as
0: a bad thing. I have gotten the calls about, hey, where can I get some of that Roundup resistant <laughs> ryegrass <laughs> yeah. seed? We don't have time to dive off into a discussion of ryegrass today, especially ryegrass in 2021, 2022, because it was hideous. <laughs> and it's a problem that, despite our best efforts, has been getting worse mm. over the past few years. But I think the for the fall burndown, the time is approaching. And I think the temperatures that we've had over the past week – they're getting right for ryegrass germination and emergence in most areas. I mean, we got some rain last weekend, but in most areas it's too dry. Yep. we got a temperature requirement and a moisture requirement. Obviously, the moisture requirement goes without saying for germination. But generally, if you go off the high temperatures, which most people track it better than an average temperature or, or something like that, Generally, when we have high temperatures, 7 to 10 days, below 90 degrees, and the moisture's there, then that's when we're going to start seeing ryegrass up. So, some guys had some pictures of ryegrass back early in August when we had that kind of mild and rainy period. There was some came out of the ground. September kind of <laughs> laid that to waste with some of those 100-degree days that we had in the middle part of the month. But now we're in October, and historically – our recommendation has been to wait as long as is practical. So I always say, you know, 15th of October, start checking your 10-day forecast. If it's clear and you can wait, wait until you've got some kind of imminent rain because you know a 90% chance of rain when we get into the fall, you're rolling the dice whether you're going to get back in the field after that point. Yep. I've kind of been questioned on that timing and I would say that there's a whole lot more that goes into the fact that we picked that time than just the ryegrass. We like doing field work in the fall. A lot of times, especially with cotton that gets pushed a little bit later just because it generally yep. comes off a little bit later yep. than our grain crops. But you've got to balance labor. You've got to balance the weather. You've got to balance the budget and all those things tie in to whether we can actually get that treatment out.
1: Just kind of the way this fall, it's shaping up to be a really good fall for harvest. It's shaping up to be a really good fall for field work. I know coming over today, there's a lot of ground work, bed set up. I mean, there was pickers rolling at nine o'clock this morning. There was hippers rolling. I mean, there was there were tractors everywhere. Me personally, part of the reason I've always preferred a fall be- a, a bed put up in the fall is just the integrity, if you will, of that bed. If you think about it, those beds, and, and Jason, you grew up on a farm not far from here. You know this. But those beds that are put up in the spring, number one, any tillage operation you do in the spring, the minute you crack that ground open, you're losing moisture. The minute you do it. The other thing is, those beds tend to be fluffy in the spring. They don't tend to be good, firm beds that you can come and smooth off like those ones put up in the fall. A fall bed is so firm, you smooth them down, the seed goes into them nice, they smooth off nice if the moisture's right. And really, they just for me, they just give you the first step out of the gate you need to get that, that crop successfully grown. And I'm not saying you can't do it in the spring, but you go from having plenty of moisture if you do it in the fall to chasing moisture in the spring. Let's just say we're, we're March or April, and you throw a bed up today. If you don't have the planner in the field right behind it, suddenly you're waiting for rain and, and instead of being able to take care of things when you need to take care of them. And, again, every day we lose in the spring, we're losing days in the fall, right? So it, we kind of get behind the eight ball from the get-go. And it's just I've always preferred that to be done in the fall because, it, to me, it sets us up the following year to give us the best chance to be successful. The next place my mind goes, we, we've talked about when to do it and why to do it and what situation maybe to not do it. But let's just, just say, let's just say we've decided we're going to do a fall burn down. Well, what products do we use? Right? I mean, there's a number of options out there. I mean, some of that certainly, Jason, depends on your cropping sequence, maybe what you're going to, but I mean, I, I guess what would your thoughts be on product?
2: Product and timing. Well, you mentioned it earlier.
0: You don't want to lock yourself out of something. And fortunately, we don't have many that really, really do that. I mean, metribuzin in front of cotton mm-hmm. is a no-no. And so something like a boundary, which is a combination of dual yeah. and metribuzin, if there's a possibility that that field may go into cotton, you don't want to use it there. Works really well, though. Yeah, works works exceptionally well. Very effective. Well. And that locks you out of rice, too. But in the odds of a field being rice or cotton is pretty slim there's enough versatile treatments the rice part is a little bit more complicated really for ryegrass command is the only treatment we have right now where we know we can confidently plant rice in the spring behind that treatment amongst our row crops a metolachlor based treatment whether that's dual whether that's boundary whether that's other products that are a combination of metolachlor and metribuzin, those are are about as good as you can do for ryegrass. And then if you want to leave the metribuzin part out, but go full broad spectrum, dual or metolachlor plus Valor has probably gone on as many acres as anything else has over the years. If that treatment gets incorporated, we're talking about bare ground for a lengthy period of time. And a question I occasionally get will be, what can I put out in the fall to kill ryegrass and leave something to hold the world together? And there's just not. Take dual and henbit. So henbit's probably our other most widespread winter weed. I mean, there's henbit in nearly every single field. Mm -hmm. Dual worked pretty good on henbit for quite a while. Hinbit may be the first weed that breaks on dual. It's going to control it for a while, so you're going to have a period of time where there is bare ground out there. So there's just not one thing that you can put out and mix and match to where you're going to leave something. Command is a classic example of that. We consider, you know, in modern times, last 10, 20 years, we consider command to be a grass herbicide. I mean, you just don't ever think about command killing any broadleaf weeds. Uh, but you put that dude out this time of year and it will work on a pretty broad spectrum of winter annual weed species, broadleaf and grass included. I mean, we really don't have that many grass species that we deal with in the wintertime aside from rye grass and annual bluegrass.
1: You know, and I, get, I guess to the point you made about species and coming up and all that stuff. You know, it, really, if you control that kind of first flush, if you will, you know, once you get into December, January, it gets really cold and maybe wet, you're not going to see a lot of germination of things at that time anyway. So, you're, what you're really trying to do is control that stuff in that what I would call interim period of time when the weather's warm and you got moisture before it gets so cold that nothing's gonna come up and germinate. And then the weather's kind of helping you out a little bit in the wintertime. And then it's just a question of how long is it going to hold until it catches some of those warm days in the spring and that stuff start popping up.
2: What's your drop dead date for when you should have that application out and after that date, that's it. I
0: think the better date, Tom, is what's too early. Okay. And what's too early is now, this year. So October, this year, and
2: you're right, basing that on. I'm basing that on this, this, this the is the weather dry. right now. Yeah,
0: I mean it's it's too dry right now. Currently, as we sit here today on September the whatever day today is, there's no rain in the forecast for us, and so we've got a bunch of fluffy beds out there. And that's mm-hmm. another thing. You put that treatment out on a fluffy bed that's not settled yet. In February, you're going to have two lines of green down to either <laughs> shoulder of that row where that bed settles down. So you start asking folks to wait to get a settling rain, then put a treatment out, and then get another rain to incorporate it. You're pushing the envelope on what you can ask people to do practically on scale. So I think, to your question, too early is more important than too late. You can't be too late. And later is better, just like what Darren said with that, because that germination is going to cease for a little while mm-hmm. at some point. As a rule, that's going to occur sometime in the middle of December. Last year, you probably could have got some acres treated in December because that's the weather was just that cooperative for perfect. that. Perfect. But more years than not, we're not doing anything around here in December. That's just not practical. And to ask somebody to do it, I mean, they're long since done working at that point we're done doing what we want to do at that point for the weed yeah if i could get it out in december and kill what had come up since it had cooled down that would be perfect but it's not practical your drop dead date that you asked about is the date that's practical in to me in the latter half of october into november for that individual operation
1: well and i think where that fits too is you know much of the corn at this point in time is already gone. We're pretty good ways into soybean harvest, and we're making we're making acres every day on cotton. And if this weather holds up, come middle of October, maybe third week, we're going to be all but done harvesting. Any. We're going to be dang close. And a lot of the field work, because the weather's been so good, I mean, there, there's there's discs and, and hippers running right behind combines and pickers right now, so there's a good chance most of your field work's even done by them. So it leaves a... There's a pretty good little window in there if the weather keeps cooperating to get that fall applied out, say, mid-November on into November, right? And then it sets us, again, I go back to it, it sets us up for success for 23 by starting it right in the fall of 22. If for some reason you wanted to do a fall applied and just couldn't get it out, turns off wet, equipment, whatever, labor, whatever, and you get into the spring, and that ryegrass takes hold of you, it becomes a much, much more complicated scenario and really becomes a much more expensive scenario between, you, you mentioned a couple of products, I mean, Paraquat and Clethidem, and 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 there's some other stuff you may or may not want to throw in there with them, but it, it gets expensive and it gets exponentially harder at that point in time.
0: Well, we've done over and over and over again, fall timings, spring timings, combinations of fall and spring timings. However, I've sliced it. It has taken me two applications to get close to hundred percent control of ryegrass, whether that's a fall and then a cleanup in the spring, Mm -hmm. whether that's a heavy tillage later in the fall and then a cleanup in the spring or two spring applications. It's just always taken me two. Now my pressure is extreme, but unfortunately, my pressure now is not all that different than a lot of the fields that we see come springtime. Yeah. And then, two, I'll say, Darren, if you do, if you want to do it and miss it, then that's the time and that spring burn down earlier is going to be better. I guess the take-home message I would I would part from my end of things is
1: if you are considering doing a fall applied herbicide program ask yourself why you're doing that program. If you know you have a ryegrass problem and you know it's difficult to control in the spring, fantastic, would never argue that. But if you're just kind of toying with the idea of doing it, but you've always been pretty successful killing whatever weeds you have in the spring and ryegrass is not one of those, I would suggest to at least consider maybe not doing it and, and leaving the hen bits and the geraniums and the bluegrasses out there to hold those beds in place until you're ready to kill that stuff off in the spring and drop a planter in and go.
2: Darren, thanks.
1: I appreciate y'all having me as always. Thank you. We
2: are extremely thankful for having you in and extremely thankful that Trent was here for a portion of that time. I know he had to run to pick up his kids.
0: Thanks, Darren. Thank you. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.